This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Six, episode nine of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Tommy. Uh, with me for this episode is John. Uh, lovely to be with you as always. Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Mike. Hello, everyone. Okay, so we do have a lot of things to talk about today. We did get back from the international break. Nothing too exciting from that. Um, but we got two things to break the ice before we jump into Newcastle United. Uh, we did win yesterday, so it's always great to talk about. Um, during our halftime, uh, John is back for his loan update. Uh, Lucas has his locks. And then to round out the second half, we do have a conference league match this Thursday against Vitesse uh, from the Netherlands and a North slash East London Derby on Sunday against West Ham. Um, but first things first, uh, break the ice. Uh, John actually came back from the UK because his mom's out there, he, got some family out there, and he went to a match. So yeah, um, yeah, take it away. Yeah, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to be over there for the Aston Villa game. Um, as Tommy said, I went back to see my mom for the first time in uh, in two years because of the pandemic. Um, she's ninety four, um, avid Spurs supporter. Her favourite player, just to put it in perspective, is Len Dukeman, when she used to go watch him in 1947. So um, this was my first time by myself to go to the new stadium. And for those who have not been, it's a little different. Um, the first thing I'll talk about is is transportation, because that hasn't really changed much since the old stadium, but they've got twice as many people to move. Um, my advice is to take the overland train from, uh, if you're in London, take it from Liverpool Street to White Hart Lane and then follow the crowd. Um, coming back, I was expecting a big long wait. It really wasn't all that bad. Um, it took about half an hour to get on the train. So it took about an hour to get back into London overall. So that, that was pretty good. Um, walking up to the stadium, it is an absolutely incredible sight, just huge, massive. Um, I was used to at the old White Hart Lane, just going in any gate and just getting to my seat because you could move around. Well, I found out pretty quickly that that isn't the way it works. Um, you have to go in the gate that's assigned on your ticket. Uh, my gate was 12, which was really interesting because I walked towards 10 and 11 and then there was a barrier. And one of the stewards kindly told me that you couldn't get to gate 12 from gate 11. You had to go all the way around the stadium again. So um, if you do try and go into the wrong gate, then it comes up as a big red X and they won't let you in. So I was able to get in. I got a, uh, after a long walk, God, it's a long way around that stadium, um, managed to get in, um, sat down, realized I'd lost my Chicago Spurs scarf. So if anybody found one that day, it's mine and you're welcome to keep it. But, uh, but yeah, so um 
I got to the stadium. I had bought a relatively, what I thought was a relatively good ticket. It was um, just about level with the penalty area on or the edge of the penalty area on the seat opposite, on the side opposite from the cameras, the east stand. What something else I did not realize is, and in the old stadium, the away supporters were behind the goal. In the new stadium, it's a they're in the corner, both sides. So I was three seats away from a very narrow barrier and a bunch of very animated Aston Villa supporters. Um, a couple of which were really obnoxious and scary. Um, obviously intoxicated, yelling and screaming at the Tottenham supporters. I had a woman sitting next to me and I could tell she was scared. Um, it wasn't pleasant at all. Uh, one particular guy was pointing fingers and using all sorts of language that uh, even I didn't like, which is saying something. Um, fortunately, when we went 2-1 up, they shut up. And uh, I thought that would be the end of it, but I didn't realise that uh, where I was staying, I was taking a train back, and it happened to be the same train that went to Birmingham, where Aston Villa is located. So I was stuck on a train with... Um, just about, I would imagine I was the only Spurs supporter, although I kept my head down. And there were a huge number of chanting, drunk Villa supporters. So um, anyway, it wasn't the most pleasant train journey. But nonetheless, it was a great game. We got a good win. Um, and uh, I, I enjoyed the day. It was, uh, it was, but, it, but I learned a lot um, about going to the stadium and how different it is from the old one. So uh you know, if you do plan a trip and you are going to go, then uh, follow my leads there as far as the gates you're going into and the uh, and the travel. Um, going by underground is a little bit troublesome. Uh, there's no real station that's close enough to the ground to make it easy to walk from. So take the overland and uh, you should have no worries. So that was uh, that, that was my day and uh, a good win by Tottenham too. So that was all grand. Definitely. And actually, John, just curious, um, how was the other overall experience, whether it be like, I don't know if you bought like a pint or got a pie or even visiting the store? Because I know Lucas has been to the new stadium. I don't think Mike has. I haven't either. I did not go to the store. Um, I never have, quite honestly. I, there's nothing there that really interests me. Um, each section is separate in the area and consequently the lines for beer are pretty short they have this wonderful system where they put a glass with a valve on on the bottom and it shoots the beer upwards so they can fill a pint in about three seconds so they can really move the pints on quickly and then you put the glasses back and they sterilize them for the next game um, I don't know if they had it in every section but we had a band plan before uh, before we went in um, and after the game, they encourage you to stick around, have a pint and, uh, you know, not to worry about the transportation. So that was kind of fun. Um, it was uh, it, the whole experience is is very nice. Um, and because they do limit the, the way you can go, the lines for the food, the pies and the beer are all very manageable. Um so I I think they've got it right. I really do. It's a it's a fantastic place. Fantastic. Sounds good. Um, oh, I forget. I already forget my other question. But 
Oh, actually, you know, that was my question, or it was more of a comment. So uh, just a side note, somebody at the bar yesterday, he asked me, like, is there going to be a spring trip or a trip for next se- or next calendar year? And I was actually the one that organized it for before the pandemic hit. And, of course, it never happened. So if anybody in Chicagoland does want to come and they don't go to the bar, um, just reach out to the podcast and Kevin will probably forward me the message and I can talk to you about that. But um, there's already a decent amount of people that want to go. So hopefully we can get a good group together and have fun because even though the results haven't gone our way as Spurs fans, a lot of the times I can honestly say that the club does treat us well. So um, anytime. Hey, Tommy, by the time you go into spring, we'll be top of the league. Well, that would be yeah. on par with your prediction that we'll win the yeah. quadruple. So absolutely, am, yeah. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. <laughs> um, but good stuff for that. Thank you again, John. Uh, our next discussion. There's a lot to talk about. Um, during the international break, uh, not the international games technically per se, but uh, for those who don't know, and if you didn't see the game yesterday, uh, Newcastle did t- have a takeover. Uh, Mike Ashley is no longer the owner of Newcastle United. Um, they're actually owned by the Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Salman, um, and they're using where is it? So the, the funds that they're being used used to buy the club was through the Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. Um, I don't want to get too political, but I mean, if you guys want to feel free, but there's a lot of not so nice things to say just because um, of the way they've been handling things. And also the fact that they are Newcastle officially have the richest owners in club football in the world. Um, it's expected that they're going to spend a lot of money, whether it be in January and future transfer windows. So that will change the shape of the top six. It's probably going to be a top seven now. Um, and it's only a matter of when, unfortunately. Uh, it, and I, personally, I feel that Roman Abramovich buying Chelsea back in 2002 was kind of that started everything, having rich owners buying clubs, whether it be in England and other, like, whether it be PSG and all that other stuff. But um, I just kind of want to get a general discussion going. A, Newcastle fans, in theory, probably are happy about it just because they can buy players and actually get results. Because, I mean, traditionally speaking, they're not really a big club. They've been yo-yoing in the past decade. Um, They've they made Champions League under during the Alan Shearer years with uh, Bobby Robson. But so I think they probably find this refreshing, but Spurs fans or other fans, they're probably not welcoming this for the reasons I stated previously. Um, Lucas, you had your hand up. Yeah, I think like what you said, you said most Newcastle fans are probably pretty excited. I think every Newcastle fan is excited about this. We saw it around the ground yesterday and you saw like there was a lot of people that had dressed up with like the headgear and all the, like the, like, I don't know what the proper terminology is for them, but uh, you know what I'm talking about? All the fans that were dressed as if to look yeah, like, the like they were Saudi. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, wouldn't we be too? Uh, if, I mean, maybe not 
this exact person. But if somebody came in with a gazillion dollars to buy Spurs, we would all be excited. We spend half our time when we talk football talking about how much we hate Levy or we don't spend. And so if we were to just take that off the table and say some gazillionaires came in and we can just now buy whoever we want, that would be a lot of Spurs fans would be really excited about that. Um, and I don't think many teams have a place to stand on in terms of being upset about it. That's the way football is now. Um, Man City has no right to be mad about it. Chelsea has no right to be mad about it. This is exactly what they've done in the past. So I think it's just the way things are now. There's going to be there's going to be teams that may not have been big clubs that will now all of a sudden get to buy their way into Champions League and stuff like that because they've you have a finance arm of Saudi Arabia coming in and buying a team. So it's just something we're going to have to accept as part of the norm. John, go ahead. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with you, but I do think that, that something needs to be done. Now, um, if everybody's playing on the same playing field, if you're part of the pun, then it's good. But if others have got unlimited money and teams that are getting promoted uh, are kind of short of money because of that, that's really not fair. And I would like to see some kind of salary cap put into the Premier League so that the teams that have unlimited money cannot abuse the teams that don't have unlimited money. And then it would be uh, it would be a much fairer game, I think. Whether or not I'm dreaming, um, I don't know. But that certainly would make it, um, I think, a, a, a better league. Um, Maybe not then the best league in the world. That would be people's uh, people's answer to that. But, um, you know, the more you see of this, the more it is becoming an elite um, people. You know, teams that have money are um, are going to win everything. And it shouldn't be about that. That's uh, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, John. Like, that's what I want to see as well. It's just an. I just can't see it happening because at the end of the day, it's like this game has just become saturated and all it is is money now. And it doesn't behoove the Premier League to set a cap um, because they want the best players to want to come in and they want to have these teams. They want teams like Newcastle to get bought up by these rich entities and they want it to be the flashiest because that's what their revenue comes from and they can sign bigger TV deals. So it's like, I wish, I wish that they would, you know, I'm right there with you. I think that they absolutely should have some kind of cap that you don't see a team like even when we played Man City on the first day of the season, when you look at the actual salaries that were on that pitch, it was the most expensive team that's ever played. That starting 11 for City was ridiculous. It was worth more than half the league. It's just in that 11 guys. So it's just, it's not fair. Um, it's just, unfortunately, I just don't see a world in which the Premier League says, let's stop worrying about money and let's worry about fairness because the Premier League has shown us that that's just not something that they're they're going to put too high a value in. Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I I agree 100%. You know, they talk about Man City as a great example um, of a team that is honestly just spoilt for riches and have too many talented players that, you know, Sterling is not starting for Manchester City right now. He would start in, I would say, a majority, I would say 16 out of 20 Premier League teams he would definitely start for, and you can make a good case for the other four, you know, and he's just that good of a player. He's just on the bench and, you know, it's just ridiculous how good Manchester City's 
squad is. They're um, they have you know they could make a B team that would probably challenge for top four. Like that's how good their team is, you know. And I think by Newcastle getting this situation, um, you're, you're going to see something very similar now. Regarding salary cap, I watch a lot of the NFL, and um, for all the bad things about the NFL, there are some good things, and I think the salary cap is one of those things that is is, is a good thing. You know, the and also the uh, limit on players, the amount of players that you're allowed to have. I don't know if you guys know this, but Chelsea have like something like 45 players on loan right now, some crazy number of players on loan. They're just buying young talent all the time, sending them out on loan, and then um they're just you know then that's just that's the treat so that they never miss out on any good opportunity for a great player and you've seen it with some of the players that they've been letting go they're, they've been world-class talent and so um now we have another thing to, to worry about is with newcastle um with that being said if it's going to happen to any club i guess it should happen in newcastle they've been going through kind of like the worst kind of experience um under mike ashley um every fan isn't happy and the fact that Steve Bruce was their manager for so long is probably pissing off even more fans, you know. We complain about Nuno. We've complained about, um, you know, Jose Mourinho. We've complained about a lot of our managers. But I'll tell you what, they're much better than Steve Bruce. And Steve Bruce has continued to have that job. So um, if, it happened, if it had to happen to anybody, I'm glad it happened to Newcastle. Sounds good. Yeah, I I wanted to track back with the whole salary cap thing, kind of what Lucas said. Like, no way the Premier League would ever let that happen, just because if you're evening out the playing field, like it kind of trickles down. Because, like for example, if you're the Man Cities, Chelsea's, Liverpool, eventually Newcastle, probably, what's going to happen is, like you know, their main goal is first win some cups, then win the Premier League. Like, where can you go from there if you have a salary cap and you're hamstrung by that? You can't really compete in Europe compared to the other heavy hitters. Like, I mean, Barcelona, they'll eventually come back and waste their money again. But, like, you know, dealing with Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, uh, PSG with their unlimited funds as well. I'm like, if you have a salary cap, they can't compete with those down the line. So I feel that while I do agree that there should be be a salary cap I think the Premier League they they would never do it because it'd be foolish on their part because it the brand recognition and then down the line it doesn't attract as much as many players or as any many many high profile players which means TV revenue will probably go down as well so like I remember NBC they paid over like a billion dollars for their current TV contract like um, China, I forget who in China, but like they paid a bunch of money too. So this all trickles down, whether it be, you know, TV money, prestige, um, UEFA competitions, etc. So, um, but Mike, I do agree with you though. Like I don't hate Newcastle United. So I was like, for example, Drew, he's the cook at, the Atlantic and he's, he's been a fan for a long time. He's been long suffering. So it's nice to see, or it'll be nice to see if fortunes turn around for him. It's just, I think they could have had better owners, but it's, you kind of can't have your cake and eat it too. When it comes to this, uh, Lucas. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not on the same boat, really. I think Newcastle can go screw themselves for all I care. I'm not like, oh, good for them. Like, screw them. It should be us. I want some kind of, give me a gazillion, bajillion dollar owner that comes buys us players. That's what I want. Forget Newcastle. But yeah, to Tommy, to your point, that's at the end of the day, it is like we could talk about this all night long, but the Premier League is never going to put a salary cap in when you think about if there's a new, brand new 16 year old stud from Brazil that's, like they're going to be the next Ronaldo or something. And he could come play at Man United and make a hundred, like a hundred grand a week, or he could go play at Bayern and make 700 a week. Like it's, it's basic math and the Premier League's not going to shoot themselves in the foot financially there. So I don't think we'll ever have to worry about the salary cap as much as we want it. John. Yeah. Having said what I said, if we were to get a multi-million, multi-trillion <laughs> pound owner, Maybe my position will be different. So, as, uh, as Luke as Luke says, this is a this is a topic that is going to be discussed and probably will not even be addressed for twenty odd years or or anything yeah. done about it in twenty odd years. So I they'll don't expect anything to happen. And then they'll but, deal uh, with the consequences later. Yeah, exactly. Actually, John and Lucas, because oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. I was saying there's a and there's a lack of faith in in the current salary cap situation which is financial fair play it's that's a load of bs you know if he has no it's nothing really happens to the teams that go over their amount uh over their limit really and so and they keep doing these weird things i don't know if you heard about psg they did some weird thing where the owner of psg ended up um basically like basically he took the money that he he had and and made it and transferred it basically to be that the, the PSG was having this extra source of income from a media oh, like, outlet or, or transferring like equity crazy. into the club. Exactly. Like exactly. 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 And that, that's how we got around financial fair play. And a lot of these teams are continuing to do that. I mean, but I will say that it, it's kind of insane when you look at the, the numbers for the, you know, the, the richest owners, I think. So the, uh, Sheik Mansour for, for Man City is at 23 million. The next one, uh, uh after Sheik Mansour, it's a guy from um, RB Leipzig, which is 15. And then after him, after them, it's like Roman Abramovich, who's only like 9.6 uh, billion, uh, which is their net worth. But then now above them is the Newcastle owners, which is 320 billion. That's about 16 times more richer than um, 16 times more richer than Man City owner. 16 times more richer. Which is in just like it blow out the water, like it's insane that that happened, you know. I have uh, two final thoughts, that, um, and I'll let you guys say your final thoughts before we actually dive into the Newcastle win. Um, brought up the good point about full sponsorship and equity in the club. So, like Man City, <clears throat> they kind of got rid of their previous sponsorship, I think, which I think was remember was Thomas Cook, and uh, Eddie Hot took over, but like they kind of did the creative accounting where. It was like, you know, $100 million a season, which turned into club revenue, even though the club or the owners dumped the money in there. So that was their way of creative accounting. The interesting thing about Newcastle is their their uh, sponsorship is Fun88, which is a gambling company. And it's, for those who don't know, there's a lot of gambling sites and companies that sponsor uh, shirts in England. And I remember reading that, that's actually going to be outlawed next season. So what does that mean for Newcastle? They're probably going to do the same thing Man City will. Um, and then my last thought 
Um, Mike, you're a newer fan, so this is more for John and Lucas. Uh, I could have sworn I read years ago that Roman Abramovich was actually considering buying the Spurs before um, he bought Chelsea. So imagine how the landscape would have been different if that was if that actually happened, if, if those rumors would have been true, because it's very possible I probably would have been a Spurs fan, even though that happened around the same time. I might have probably, I probably would have been end up being a Blackburn fan. Thank God it didn't happen, but yeah. Um, well, I'm, re- I'm really sorry to hear about you potentially being a Blackburn fan. I mean, well, <laughs> you'd have to have, you'd have to have half your brain removed, Tommy, in order to achieve well, that. Um, but and and yeah, there were some unsubstantiated rumours that Abramovich had looked at Tottenham, but I don't believe they were any that they were any of us substantiated. And to conjecture what would have happened if he'd have taken us over, I, I God knows what would have happened. Yeah, I'm not saying we would have been a superpower, but we would have won some Premier League titles by now. I would have assumed so. Possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah, who knows? Uh, uh, Mike Lucas, any final thoughts before we head into Newcastle? No, uh, I mean, it, like that stuff. It's all going to take. It's going to take time, but like you said, it's an inevitability. Like Newcastle will become one of the teams that will be competing for the top four year in and year out. Now, even if that means they get relegated this year, it's it's no big deal, and they'll be back in a year or so, and they'll just throw money at the problem. But the good news is that all starts in the future now, and it wasn't able to help them yesterday. Because they could have had, actually, they could have had a gazillion, they could have had ten trillion more dollars, and it wasn't going to help them out yesterday. So that was actually that's actually a good segue then. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, we did beat Newcastle yesterday at St James's Park. Uh, goals were scored by Tangi and Dombley. Lucas loved that, of course. Uh, Harry Kane, who had his first goal of the season in the Premier League. And Hungman's son uh, got another goal. Um, one thing I want to dive or bring up first, though, <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, British Rick. We were talking before the game, and he was, I was, we were just kind of chit chatting, and he was like, "Yeah, I think Newcastle actually show for 15 minutes to kind of regress back to their sh- to their shitty talent." And I don't mean, and I, I say that sounds terrible, but like to their actual play talent. Um, which oddly enough did happen because they scored a goal within two minutes and then they were, um, but then we kind of took over eventually. And then I, I, even though we lost or won three, two Dyer uh, had that own goal, but like after, like after the first goal, I felt like we were in control of the game. So I, I didn't have a lot to worry about personally, but Johnny, you know, yeah, um, I think the first two minutes did not show their ability to have shambolic defending. We hadn't seen any of that at that point. But when we pressed them, we did discover that their defence was shambolic. I think 3-2 flattered them, quite honestly. Um, that late, uh, wonderful own goal by Dyer. I mean, put it beyond the keeper in a perfect position. Um, I, I don't know how much better he could have done with that own goal, quite honestly. But... Uh, uh, yeah, 3-2 flattered them. They were absolutely shambolic. We should have scored five and they should have scored one. Um, I think that would have been a result that, uh, that did us credit. Lucas? 
Yeah, I, I'm actually going to say I think that was one of the better games I've seen us play in the last couple of years. Um, that game, you take away two moments in their their goal there at the beginning, and then you take away the dire own goal, which is the best own goal I've seen since Regulon's last year against Villa. Just six, absolutely spectacular. Um, but, yeah, you take those away. I think we were really in control of the game. I love the way we pressed them and forced them into making mistakes which if you are the 19th place team in the table, there's a reason for it. And good on us to go actually force them into those mistakes. It was great to see. Um, I was most happy, I think, with the response that we had from that first goal. Um, when they first put that goal in in the first few minutes there, I think every one of us had in our mind that, oh, shit, here we go. This is how it happens. Just like, Just like always, it always happens to be us. Everyone either gets their manager sacked or brings in a new manager or gets new owners or has somebody return from injury. It's always against us. And so as soon as they bought their or they had this takeover, I was just like, of course, this is against us. And they're going to have some parties some big day out. And within two minutes, there it was. And every one of us had that pit in our stomach just thinking, oh, crap. And I was really impressed with how we came out from that. Um that's two games in a row now where Villa hit us on the break and tied and equalized things 1-1, and we came right back out and hit them back. So we have, in the Villa game and in this game, we were put on a spot where we needed to react. And in both of those situations, we reacted the right way, and I was really proud of that yesterday because, uh, like I said, once we once we kind of calmed down and settled into the game for a few minutes, we just took it to them, and it was an absolute beatdown. Mike? Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was a big fan of, of um you know how we reacted after that goal. I you know what it was too? I think um Newcastle just really stepped off of us, which was the wrong thing to do as as a team. I, I think if you watch any you know, if they had watched any of Spurs' games this year, well, you would have known that we're so bad when we're pressed. If they if they press us up high, we have a lot of issues. And um I think had they um had they basically um, just pressed us after their goal, I think that we would have been in a lot of issues and had a lot of uh, problems basically trying to play against that. I think um, Newcastle had a really good first goal. I think there was a really good um, idea by by Michael to make that run and get the cross in, but I was really happy with the way we responded. And, and I think we just played so well. And I will say one thing. I, I'll say that um Mourinho with the thing about Mourinho that really frustrated me throughout the whole of last year was sometimes we'd have a really good like I feel like we would know our first our best first 11 and he would choose players that are not are in our best first 11 I think yesterday was our best first 11 I think Nuno picked our best first 11 and he played them 90 minutes without making a single sub yeah, Mike, I agree with you entirely. It was, uh, when the lineup came up, I thought, you know, this is great. We've got a, we've got a consistent team, and under Mourinho, that was not the case. Um, as far as Newcastle is concerned, I think you've given them a bit more credit. I mean, if they had pressed us, but they uh, they would have done better. But they didn't have the ability to press us, and the fact that they played a flat back four that was pushed up all the time just gave us. I mean, that was the perfect defence for us to play against. Um, without when we broke, they were just completely at sea. And uh, but yeah, I like Lucas said, I was very very pleased with the way they came back, with the way that they played. I was 
very pleased with the way that some of the players who have not been playing great in Dembele, for instance, um, he had a wonderful game. So I think it's all coming together. Tommy? So one of the things that I actually found interesting, so I don't know if anybody watched Match of the Day yesterday, but they discussed the formation when they were attacking. <clears throat> so Dyer and Romero, they were playing two at the back, but Regulon and Emerson Royal, they were playing more as the wingbacks, but Kane, Son, Moore, and Ndamwe, they're playing more like a diamond. So Ndamwe was playing more out. John was saying he was more active. And yeah, I'll fault him for starting the first goal, but like he was playing more forward. And you can see how more effective he was um, when he was playing. And he wasn't my MVP, but he is definitely an honorable mention. I, aside from that, give, giving up that, trying to do that little cute little flick. I, I, I would say this is probably his best performance in, as a Spurs player. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if anybody has any thoughts about that. Lucas, I'm assuming you have this sensing opinion because, well, you were shitting on him a little bit, but not as much as usual. Ah, uh, gosh. All right. Yeah, I actually thought Tangai played great yesterday. Um, and it pains me to say it. But, yeah, there was – I don't think anyone had a game that was, I think everyone played very well yesterday and you have a couple of guys that had a few errors. Like you could point to Ndombele and say that he, that given the ball away there to lead to the Newcastle first goal, I thought Romero actually looked pretty poor on that goal as well. But then when you look at the overall on how these guys played Romero, I thought was fantastic. Um, I thought the way he's able to, the way he's able to like help start our counters from the back by just being a little bit more aggressive is it's just, oh, it was instrumental yesterday. I thought Ndombele was up for it. And you could see it from the beginning, too. Uh, like, I think mentally you just see in in the way he was playing, he just seemed much more up for it. So I, I've never said it's with Ndombele. I've said it's never been about an issue of can he do it? Is he good enough? It's all in his head. And if he continues to say, I can get up for it for 90 minutes for these games, and he plays like that, I mean, he's one of the first names down on the team sheet for me. He's fantastic, but we'll have to see it for more than just one one ninety minute stretch. I mean, I would love to see him play like that week in and week out. And I think the biggest thing about Ndombele is under Pochettino, he was playing more central midfield. Um, he was frozen out for a little bit under Jose Mourinho, gave him a lot of tough love. Eventually, played him again as being more of a team player. Um, kind of playing all over the place, whether it be central, D-mid, attacking midfielder. Um, I, but I think it's kind of like the opposite of Deli Ali. Like, if, I think him playing more of an advanced role, I'm not saying strictly a number 10, but definitely more of an advanced role. I think that's his bread and butter in terms of this current, uh, current way that Spurs play. Uh, Lucas? Take yeah, I, I actually was, uh, you just touched on something. I had a question written down that I wanted to ask you guys, and it's how much better have we looked since dropping Delhi? Um, I think it's been, it's been night and day, and I don't want to throw Delhi under the bus because he's one of the last people I want to make fun of, but I think that, I think it's been very noticeable how we've played the last few weeks since he's been dropped. It's, like, it's very, it looks like a very different Spurs team. John? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, and I don't want to throw him under the bus for all the good that he's done for us in the past. 
but I think his uh, future with us is is limited. He's not as fast as he needs to be um, with Son and Kane. Um, he looks ponderous out there, and uh, I don't know why that is. Have we become significantly faster, or has he become slower? But in any event, I I don't really see him participating much apart from uh, Europa Conference games and League Cup games. So, uh, uh, you know, it, um, I think a move a move would do him good. You know, um, you know the old American an- analogy. You know, the, a pitcher needs a he needs a move. So, um, I, I think that's the case with him. I don't think he's going to help us much, uh, Mike. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. I think uh, Tangi. So with 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 the, with the situation with Delhi, I think I think Tangi, Delhi, and Los Celso are all the same position. I think that's what we need. I think that's what we figured out pretty much is that we need to play the four two three one formation, which is our I think our best formation. And I think we look like a whole different team when Skip is playing. Whenever a Skip is playing. In that center midfield world, I feel like we're so balanced. It's crazy that I just really feel like we're so... If you think about the wins that we've had, the, the three wins against um, City, Watford, and Wolves, and then even the wins that we've had recently against Villa and um, Newcastle, Skip was playing in that midfield world, and he was playing really well in all five of those games. The only bad game that he had was against... Uh, um, I think it was against Chelsea. Tommy, go ahead. Say, what were we going to say? Actually, oh, sorry. Um, actually, you can take the, you can continue it, but uh, this is actually a good stopping point because uh, our question from Shubes through uh, Facebook through Twitter, he, he actually ties into what you said. How crucial is Oliver Skip um, become for our starting eleven? And do any of the English members of the pod for this one will be John um, see Southgate calling up up to the England squad, the senior squad. And would that be something that you welcome? But Mike, uh, so can, sorry, Mike was in the middle, so I'll, you, I'll let yeah. you continue. Uh, no worries. Yeah, I think, so, I do think Skip is very, I think he's integral to our, 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 our ability to play because, you know, you look at even the Arsenal game that he didn't start, he comes on at halftime and we look so much better as a team. We're holding the ball more, I have more possession and, I think Hoiberg is starting to play a more advanced role. And you saw with the assist that um, um, Pierre gave to Kane. Um, I think he's really good for that role. He actually made nine tackles yesterday. Nine tackles, which is the most in any Premier League game. Um, I think any midfielder's made in any Premier League match this year. Nine tackles is insane. So I think Hoiberg is better when he's pressing forward. And I don't think he can hold that position um, deep lying like he used to last year. I think he's better off playing in that like that eight role, you know. And I think Skip is so good in that six role. It's so, it's amazing how well he plays in that role. And we're so much more balanced. I think because Skip is so good in that role, and because Hoiberg is so good in that eight role, there's not really a spot for Delhi unless he supplants Ndombele. And I think Ndombele, Celso, and Delhi all have to play the same position. And I think it's going to be a a fight for who gets minutes because I don't think. I don't think you could drop Skip, and I don't think you could drop Hillary Bird because of how well they've been playing. Go ahead, John. Um, yeah, just to respond to you, I think if Dembele needs um, substitution, then Lacelso is going to get the nod over Ali. Um, hence my points before. 
to go back to Skip, absolutely superb. I mean, what a performance. Um, not one that you would look at um, unless you really watch the game and say, you know, what did he do? Pretty much unsung. But as as Mike said, nine tackles. Um, he and Hobie are working beautifully in the midfield, just beautifully. And and Skip is the iron that we've needed in the midfield for a long time. And or steel, whatever you want to call it. He's, the, um, he's come in and done that. And he's very young. Um, as far as an England call-up at this point, I wouldn't like to see it. Um, I'd like to, I mean, he's playing for the under-21s. Um, so he's away playing at, on these international breaks. But the under-21s are not the same pressure as playing for the England team. And uh, I, I'm always cautious of young players playing for England because in some cases... It has not really worked out well for them. Um, and I'd like to see him be brought on a little slower. I'd like to be selfish about it and say, you know, let's keep him uh, keep him playing for us. And uh, England, he'll be playing for England soon enough, let's face it. He's going to be an England captain, I think, in the future. But I prefer to see it in two or three years rather than uh, immediately. Yeah, John, I'm actually in total agreement with you because, well, Jose said in the past that he sees him as a future captain. Um, I think just the fact that he's so young and we've seen, you know, Hugo, Harry, I don't think Harry Kane should be one of the assistant captains, but that's a whole nother story. But uh, like other people are like, you know, there's other leadership, whether it be Harry Kane, um, Hoiberg is more of a natural leader because he captained at Southampton um, before the rumors started for him come to us. Uh, and whatnot, but but in terms of playing, like I think this is a good benchmark. He's beating, he's dominating against teams that he should, aka the uh, relegation zone type teams. Um, and this is a, like good baseline to start off of. So in addition to that, like you can build off of that, you know, eventually be like you know dominate against like the mid table teams, and then eventually be that world beater. So, and how are you saying? Like, oh, who was it? Uh, Alexander Arnold, like, he kind of, I think he kind of limped into the squad, Euro 2020 squad last summer, Um, even though he came in as an 18-year-old back in 2018. Um, or like Theo Walcott, he came in as, like, what, a 16, 17-year-old. And for whatever reason, he just flamed out, maybe because of high expectations, you know, whatever. Um, Aaron Lennon, he even came on as like a 20-year-old back in 2000 or 19-year-old back in 2006. So I definitely agree with that sentiment. Um, I do, Lucas will disagree, but while I do want to see Spurs players represent England or their national teams, if he didn't make the England squad next winter for the World Cup, I wouldn't be too mad about it. Just because I want him to, you know, get his shit together, so to speak, do very well, and then get, and then worry about England later. Because, you know, let him worry about, I think he needs to worry about Spurs first. So, um, anybody have any other he, questions or comments? Yeah, he, he's like our own N'Golo Kante. I mean, he's not at the same level. He's not at the same level. I'm not trying to say that he's at the same level. But he is, like, I think he's so integral to how we play the game and how well we play. You know, when I look at the team sheet, 
now at the to be honest, I'm looking for three names. I'm looking for Romero, Skip, and Son. And when I see those three names, I feel like we have a good chance to win any game. You know, it doesn't matter who we else we have playing in any other position. We have Skip, Romero, and Son. I feel pretty confident about our chances. And um, that's how that's how good he's been. And um, God, I, I love Oliver Skip. I, I will change to a more negative subject. And um, I know people want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but Eric Dyer, I, I can't. I just, I've already talked about it so many times. But I will say that um, if Nuno ever needed a reminder that this is not a long-term center back pairing, you know, I think you could talk about Eric Dyer's performance. He played... He played fine. He played okay. There was a, there was a couple of uh, good moments for Eric Dyer, I think, but, but they were rare. They're rarely threatening us, and despite us being rarely threatened, you know, we still conceded two goals. And I think, um, you know, we can discuss this, or you guys can argue with me on this, but I think that first goal, Eric Dyer could uh, clear that cross. I think he was kind of guard, guard like like guarding a space instead of guarding the defender because the. The runner, the striker, made a run right in front of Romero. And if, if they're right in front of Mar- Romero and you're, you're the left center back, you should be the one in front of um, the striker to at least put him off the, the header, you know. Um, and so I think he could have done better there. And then the own goal was really, really bad. Um, but, you know, I think – I just think that um, I don't want to be negative on such a good result and such a good performance. Go ahead, John. Um, yeah, I I agree with you that as we as we build this new team, if you want to call it, then Dyer is and I've been a great fan of Dyer over the years and I've supported him. But I think you're right, Mike, in that he does seem to struggle. Uh the own goal, the only thing I can think he was trying to do is he was trying to head the ball back to Lloris. And it uh because if you if you look at the way he was trying to cushion a header back, well he didn't cushion it, he belted it. Um but uh, I have a question, and that is, what the heck is going on with Roden? Um, he went out, he played fantastically for Wales. He's done well every time we've asked him to do anything, and yet consistently he's not getting playing time. So uh, there's something happening there, and I don't understand why, Tom. Yeah, John, I, I mean, Lucas will be a big defender of him because he actually got the third kid with him on the back. So, but for me, I'm like. I already forget who came out on Crystal Palace, but he stepped in. I thought he did great. That warranted more than enough to play Premier League minutes. Um, I feel that he's probably going to start against Vitesse on Thursday. I mean, I'm just being realistic. I don't think he's going to see any playing time against West Ham. Um, I think he, and how you said with Wales, he's starting it for Wales, and he's done more than enough to warrant a position. The only thing that I can think of is I was talking to Tall Rick uh, before the international break at the bar. He mentioned that, like, for me, Dyer, I'm like, I'm kind of done with him. He's been on my shit list for a while, even though he played decent yesterday minus the own goal. So the thing with uh, Nuno is he started – what was it in late July he had to sort out the team and do all this other stuff. So he had to pick the players that he knew about. So at the time, Dyer Sanchez Romero wasn't uh, signed on loan yet. So even, and now he's finally getting integrated. So, you know, 
I think Romero is probably a de facto starter for the top, for now at least. Um, and so he didn't probably see much with Joe Roden um, just because he didn't see him because he didn't feature as much last year. So he had a play based on who he knew, and which is what we talked about earlier. I think that's a reason why Deli Ali um, featured a lot earlier earlier in the season, not as much now. So I think, I mean, a Joe Rodin's still very young. Um, I think if he be, it becomes patient, he will get his chance. Um, and that sounds, and I'm on the same boat though. I'm very agitated. I, I actually wrote down in my notes, probably the best lineup minus Dyer. And I've said in the past, I don't know why, Joe Roden is not getting at least a start. I feel against Newcastle, since they are in the relegation zone, he should have played. That would have been a good litmus test. If not, Norwich or Burnley in the Premier League, um, because those are the other two in the relegation zone. But I don't know. Hopefully he'll get a shot soon. Lucas? Yeah, the um... – I don't know. I mean, to me, yeah, that argument, I could see it, but it doesn't make sense because after, like, how many games do you need to see? I get that for, like, maybe the first three games before we then had the international break, and that was Nuno's plan was maybe to just have who he knows and who he's heard of just until he can kind of get a little bit of a an idea of who he has. But it's it's been, what, uh, eight games already? And every time Dyer's out there, other than those first couple games, like, there's always a chance for him to – he's usually got that one mistake in the, that's going to guarantee a bad like bad error or lead to a goal. Um, I mean, you could say he had a couple of them just against Arsenal alone. So I, I don't know how much more you need to see. If you have one that's – like if you have Dyer and then you have an unknown where there's potential for this young kid to be even better than Dyer, why not play the unknown and see what you have? I, I don't get – what what are you seeing when you put Dyer out there that says, wow. And again, I don't want to rag on him too strong on the back of yesterday because I actually thought he played a very good game yesterday, minus that one buffoonery or bit of buffoonery at like the end there. But uh, how do you not just take a shot and say, let's see what Joe Roden can do? Because every time he's come in, he's done more than he's asked. He's looked great. He's had that one that you were referring to against Crystal Palace. That was actually Dyer that came out. Dyer oh. got injured in 15 minutes. And then it was Roden that came in and he hadn't played a single minute under Nuno, but looked fantastic. So I, I don't know what more he has to do because you said be patient and Roden. If you're Roden, you got to be going crazy thinking, be patient for what? I'm not heading it off my own stomach and into the goal off a rocket. Like I'm not letting up all these errors. Like I'm just going out every week being asked to do stuff. And yes, granted, a lot of his minutes are in this conference league, but if you're Roden, it's, I'd be starting to get a little bit upset at this point. And uh, Mike, you have your hand up, so you'll be next. But I think the other thing is with Roden, it's low risk, high reward. And this is a year of transition. So I'm like, why not throw it down, down the gauntlet and see what happens? You know, there's nothing to lose. So, uh, but Mike, what do you have? Yeah, I, I think I agree 100% with all of you guys. I think Rodon needs to be playing more games. I think he deserves to play more games. He played really well. We always, we, every time I've seen him play, I never thought, wow, that was a mistake. But he had a game against Liverpool in his first season, and he was just amazing against Mane and Salah. And we were 
such a bad defense at the time, and he was fine. He was, you know, he was solid. And against Palace, he comes on. He plays so, so well. And it wasn't until Ben Davies came on that we conceded three goals. So I think he's he's played so, so well for so long. And to not see his name on the team sheet, it's got to hurt. I mean, yes, he's he's slightly younger, but it's got to hurt because Dyer has done nothing. I mean, he has... He hasn't done. I mean, he's done. He's he's played okay, but like, he doesn't just. He hasn't. Nothing warrants a start for Dyer. You know, it's not like when we talk about Delhi and how uh, poor Delhi is playing. He's not playing on the same level as poor of poorness that Dyer's played. You know, it's, the difference is we're stacked more at a different position than we are with with um with Derek Dyer. The one the one thing I can say is that maybe Nuno believes that Eric Dyer is a better passer of the ball. And can hold possession better, and can make better long passes and better um, distrib- distribution. But when you have Skip and Hoiberg coming so far deep to collect the ball and so far deep to protect you, it doesn't really matter, you know, because the people that really progress the ball on our on our team is our fullbacks, Emerson and Region, Skip and Hoiberg. Those are the people that really progress the ball, and sometimes Kane drops deep. I don't. Dyer's not the one that's making these passes that. Um, people, he, he's such a liability in, in defense, you know. So, go ahead, John. Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's interesting that nobody's mentioned Sanchez, and uh, but not surprising. But the other thing is that Rodon didn't even make the bench on uh, Sunday. Sanchez was the uh, reserve for central defenders there. So um, I'm. As Lucas said, I'm I, I'm I'm confused about what's going on with Rodon. Um, I think that there's something there that we don't know, um, and we may never know. But I'd, I'd like I just love to see him have a chance. And uh, the fact that Sanchez, you know, if you look at it, if the choices were Sanchez or Dyer, I would have gone with Dyer. Then maybe that's why he was on the team. Uh, Luke. Yeah, I, I um. I think what we're probably seeing from Nuno right now is some kind of rotational schedule where I think where with going, having West Ham away next weekend, I think we're going to see a lot of rotation on the Thursday game. And I would expect if we, I I would expect us to have everything rotated at the back. So we'll probably see Rodin Sanchez, uh, Doherty. We'll see whoever's healthy, maybe Davis at left back. But so I I think we'll see a lot of that, um, which is probably why he wasn't on the bench. Um, but again, it doesn't make much sense to me either. Um, but I, I think we'll be expecting, I think we can expect that there's some kind of like rotational pairing or something going on. But if that is the case, like I would much rather see it be Dyer and Sanchez are our Thursday night center backs. Like that'd be fine for me. Um, I'd like to see Roden and Romero, Regulon Royale, get the four hours back there as my starting back four every game in the Premier League would be wonderful. So. But that's just me. I don't get paid to I manage didn't even Spurs. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice those are four R's. All four of them have R's. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. But, um, okay, so we had a lot to talk about, but let's dive right in. Uh, let's be relatively quick, you know, a few sentences about who's your MVP and LVP. Um, John, you want to go first for MVP? Yeah, um, I, as you know, I tend to t- pick people that do an exceptional job compared to what they've done in the past. So I'm, I'm going to say Ndombele, 
Um, I know he had his faults, but I thought he really stepped up and he did a great job. And sadly, just to follow on with the conversation that we've had, I, I think Dyer would be my uh, LVP. Fair enough. I <clears throat> I don't like in terms of Nzombe. I definitely I, I can agree. He, I just feel like somebody else shows is higher. Dyer, I think he was compared to everybody else was not the LVP, but whatever. Um, I'll, I'll just go next then um, since I'm talking. Uh, MVP, I'm going to say Skip. And he's really impressed me. I think he really picked up his game. And like I said, this is a good benchmark to have. Dominate against the lesser teams and then build that confidence up. So, I mean, he's he's more than likely going to start against West Ham. So let's, I, I think he can roll or have, build on this momentum. Um, and it took me a while to figure out who I wanted for a jersey this or who I wanted to get. I'm pretty much set on Skip right now. I know he's young, but I'm like everybody else. I'm like, like I would have gotten Hoyberry, but everybody's got him. So I'm like, Skip sold. I'm sold on Skip. Um, in terms of LVP, I'm going to say the same thing as well with you, John. I agree. Dyer was compared to everybody else was Dyer, so to speak. Uh, Lucas, you had your hand up. So you want to go next? Yeah, I will. I will go next. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually not given an LVP. Um, I thought everyone played uh, definitely well enough, and I was really proud of the effort, like I said, in the first minute or so, that I think that, that was probably one of the best games I've seen us play as a whole. Um, so, yeah, no LVP for me. Um, I will uh, have a slice of humble pie and give my MVP to Ndombele. I thought he was very much up for it yesterday. Wow. Um, but I will give a special shout out to my beloved Lucas Mora. I thought he played brilliant yesterday. We haven't said anything about him, but his ability to just keep driving that ball forward in that central role is just, it was so special to watch like how he started with that third goal that he, like the son had, like that just came from a bit of brilliance from Lucas. So as long as he keeps doing that, he's going to keep getting special little mentions from me, but Ndombele is my MVP. I never thought I'd hear that. Um, Mike, who do you got for MVP LVP? Yeah, um, I never thought I'd hear that too, so I'm quite happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> y- you know, and we didn't even talk about uh, that third. That third goal was beautiful. I, I was, I was just so happy when I- when I saw how well all four of them li- linked up because all four of them got a touch of the ball with Sun getting the last touch. I was, it was just, it was gorgeous. And but I- I'm gonna give just to keep it a little different. I'm gonna go. Um, Pierre uh, Hoiberg for MVP for me. I thought, again, nine tackles. Didn't even notice. I didn't even notice he had nine tackles um, until someone posted it. So nine tackles, which is amazing. And then that amazing assist, um, the uh, through ball um, assist from midfield to to Kane for that beautiful finish for his first goal in the season. Um, You know, that guy is really, he's doing so much for us. He's not, not just doing the dirty work. He's also trying to provide and um you know you gotta give a shout out to him. LVP you already guys already know I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dyer, but you know, he's I guess he might be the best of the, the scenario that we have right now. But again, uh yeah Pierre was so good. Sounds good. Okay, so we didn't actually pack first half, but it gets even better for halftime. We got uh Luke's locks, but right now we got John with his loan update. So John, take it away. 
Yes, hello everybody and welcome to the October loan update. Um, before we move on to October, if you listen to my report in September, there were two of our loan players last year that had not found clubs. Um, they were Sterling and Rolls. Um, I'm now happy to report that Rolls has been picked up by Crystal Palace. And um, Sterling is playing his football at Potter's Bar which I think is the eighth division. I, I wish him well. I think he's better than Potter's Bar, but uh, hopefully he'll be able to pick something up from there. Um, as for loans this year, last year we had 14 players on loan. We've only got seven this year. Um, and the first, I think, is always the one we want to talk about the most, and that's Troy Parrott. Um, he has he's having a fabulous loan spell at League One MK Dons. Three goals, four assists. Um, he's a regular in the side. He's starting. Um, most of the time he's getting subbed after about 80, 85 minutes. But nonetheless, he is really um, helping that team. Um, they are, uh, MK Dons are currently in a promotion spot for League One. And I think if Parrot keeps this up, he could well help them get promoted. Um, he's also been on international duty. He played 79 minutes. He came on as a sub against um, Qatar and also Azerbaijan. So that's, I mean, that's good experience for the lad. And, um, you know, I've been his critic in the past because I haven't thought that he'd really got his head in it. But it looks to me as if he has now. So that's that's exciting news. Um, then we've got Pape Matassar, who is with Mets in Liga. Um, we bought him and loaned him back to Mets for the season. Um, <clears throat> he has been playing a number of different positions for Mets. Um, he's been playing a holding central and attacking midfield and on the left wing. Um, <coughs> but having said that, Mets are currently 18th in Liga. They're in a relegation spot. And um, I, I think the team could struggle. But on the other hand, if that means he gets more minutes, that's good for him. He was uh, on international duty with Senegal, but he did not get on the field. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, our American uh, centre-back, has been on loan at Celtic. He's a regular in their uh, in the Scottish Premiership side. Um, he is, uh, and they are currently fourth in the Premiership. They didn't start off all that well, but he's uh, he's ever present and he's getting good reviews there, which is uh, which is great news. Um, J. Neil Bennett is at Crew Alexander. He had his first senior goal um, this season, and he did start the last game versus Fleetwood, uh, which unfortunately was a three nil loss. And uh, in the, he also started the previous game in which uh, Crew Alexandra do two two with Cambridge. Um, they Crew are struggling. They're twenty third in League One, um, not exactly having the greatest of times. But it uh, looks like Bennett's getting a good run out there, and uh, that's going to do him nothing but good. Uh, Keon Etete is with Northampton. They are three points out of a promotion spot in uh, League Two. Uh, he's with Northampton. They're currently eight. He's made nine appearances and four of those are off the bench, but he started the last two games. So it looks like he's having a, a good run out there at Northampton. Um, Jameer Bowden is with Oldham Athletic. Now, he's only been used as a sub 
uh, and Oldham are struggling this season. Um, he started the last two games. One was a 3-0 win over Stevenage, where he got an assist, and also a 0-0 draw at Mansfield, which did move them out of the relegation zone. So they've got three, uh, four points out of the last two games, and Bowden's been involved from the start in both of them. So it uh, looks like that's good news for him as well. And lastly, um, Alfie Whiteman, a goalkeeper, he is uh, in Sweden playing in the Premier Division there for Degafor. Um, he's a regular in the first team. He's starting every game for them, so he's obviously getting good experience. They are currently 13th in the uh, in the league, so they're not having such a great season, but it looks like Alfie's getting a lot of experience, which is just great. So those are the seven players that we've got out on loan. That's the update. That's from me, John. All right, sounds good. Thank you again, uh, John. Um, Lucas, what do you got with your locks? All right. Welcome to Luke's Locks. Here's your four free locks of the week. First up, we have Arsenal at home on Friday to Aston Villa. We're going to take over two and a half goals in that one. Uh, Both teams had a less than satisfactory result for themselves this weekend. Although we can say Arsenal dropping points was very satisfactory for us. Uh, I expect both teams to come out want to right the ship. So I think we're going to see a little bit of scoring in that one. So over two and a half goals. Next up, we have Crystal Palace at home to Newcastle. And very similar to talking about that Arsenal game, Palace was on the end of a little bit of heartbreak at the end of that one. And I think they're going to be gutted coming out of the Emirates with that result today. Uh, But they do get to bounce back at home with Newcastle, who is obviously very much struggling. So we are going to take Palace minus a half goal in that one. Third, we have Man United at home to Liverpool. We're going to take under three goals in that one. I think with United conceding four to Leicester, uh, I very much expect them to come out and try and set up a lot more defensively against the high-powered Liverpool. So I don't think we'll see more than three goals in that one. Fourth, we have our beloved Tottenham on the road away at West Ham. We're going to take Spurs as the underdogs, getting a half goal in that one. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to actually get the win, but I definitely think we'll have what it takes to at least get the points away at West Ham. So take Spurs plus the half goal in that one. There are your four free money picks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Sounds good. Thanks, Lucas. As usual, bet early and bet often, I guess. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, win a lot of money. So second half, we do have a lot to discuss. We have two matches uh, until the next next episode. Um, So, actually, you know what? I forgot to mention. So, as usual, we do have halftime segments. Uh, Joe will be hosting next week, but uh, Catherine in our group chat said that she would be be able to be on next week. So, hopefully, she'll be able to have her Spurs women update as well. Um, But as I said, we do have two updates or two matches to preview. Um, first one is the Conference League, which will be on October 21st, this Thursday, um, against Vitesse Artem in the Eredivisie, a.k.a. in Netherlands. Game is actually going to be an early one, 11.45 in the morning, uh, 5.45 UK time. Uh, for TV in the in America, it will be on Paramount Plus, and it will be on BT Sport 1 if you're in the UK. Um, Vitesse is actually currently sixth in the Eredivisie. Uh, 
most recent result was they won yesterday against uh, NEC uh, Neymayan. I don't actually know a lot about it. I looked at the team. I didn't see any names that were familiar, maybe on loan, like Chelsea could have gotten them on loan, but or sent them on loan, but I didn't, nobody notable. Um, I brushed up on this with Joe Roden. I'm pr- pretty sure he's going to start. Um, get who the backup goalkeeper is, the guy from Atalanta, but I'm assuming he's going to start uh, and whatnot, but I don't know. Who, who wants to start this off with their thoughts? Because I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of second stringers and potential youth. Yeah. Oh, Mike, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, um, Golini was the, was the name of the ad. Oh, my bad. Yeah, no, you're good, you're good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would like to see more minutes for Rodan. Uh, if he doesn't play, he better start that next Premier League match against West Ham. I really hope he does. Um, but Brian Heal, I love watching him play. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I want to see Delhi get some minutes as well. And Los Celso, you know, why not get them both in? Um, I know there's a lot of fans waiting to, I mean, planning on kind of wanting to give up on Scarlett. I don't think you should. I think he's still learning the game. Um, and I would, I would start him again. Just why not, you know? Um, I don't think so. I don't know how close our um, group is in that scenario. But, you know, if you can just play him at least 75 minutes and if you really need a goal, you know, you can bring on Kane if you really need to. This is kind of the problem with not buying another striker. Um, I'd really like Kane not to play, but um, sometimes you don't have a choice. So, yeah, Brian Heal, I would love to see start. Um, and midfield, I, I, I kind of want to see someone start. Um, well, Ber- Bergvine, I definitely want to see start as well. And in midfield, um, you know, give Deli some minutes, Los Alto some minutes, and maybe even Weeks if, if he needs uh, some minutes as well. Go ahead, Luke. Yeah, I think I think we'll definitely see a ton of rotation in this one. Um, but I think it'll. I don't expect us to. I think with that West Ham game looming so quick right after that, um, I don't expect us to – I think because it's an away game, I don't think we're going to have everyone travel. Um, but this is just, again, me speculating. But I definitely could see us um, kind of sticking it out and seeing maybe just bring a son or, or Harry, not both. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll see Wink start. I think we'll see the usual guys we've been seeing for these games. Um this is the one, if we can go get a point, that's a good result here. Um, I don't think that this is something that we need to stress out about. This is the, of the teams in this group, um, I think Mora's the worst. Um, and I think this is the, this is the second from the bottom. I think that a point here should be more than enough um, for us to feel good about and have to get out of the group. John? Yeah, and looking at the table, it's kind of interesting because Muir don't have any points and, you know, pretty pretty much everybody's going to win against them and they're playing Wren this weekend. So Wren have got four points as we do. They're going to go up to seven. Um, if we lose against Vitesse, then we would go down to third place. Um, Vitesse is, uh, is, is a good side. The only team that they've lost against is Wren, who... Um, and so... Yeah, as Luke says, we definitely need a draw out of this because if we go uh, anything worse than that and we're going to go down to third place and that's going to 
really dip into our confidence, I think, a little bit. But uh, having said that, I think we're good enough to beat them. And uh, certainly I would hope that we would beat them. But uh, it's it kind of interesting that the, the ta- where the table stands after Thursday is going to be uh, intriguing because we could break away from Vitesse um, or it could be a three-horse race. So it's pretty much down to this game. And, John, I think the biggest issue is, it. Re- of course, it really depends on how Nuno wants to play this, of course, um, because we got West Ham, but then another midweek game, we got Burnley. But after that, we have Man United um, on Halloween Eve. And then, no, let's see, got Everton, Leeds. They're, they're definitely flirting with relegation right now. And then they got Mira after that. And then Ren is the last game, but between or before that, they have Norwich City, and then after Ren is Brighton. So, I mean, and they're fourth right now. So, I think with, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun on West Ham, but I mean, I think we should be able to beat them on paper if we have a power lineup. So, it's I, I'd rather put out a strong enough lineup so you don't have to deal with the aftermath of other playing other t- or teams like, you know, that we have to deal with in the premier league, like whether it be Everton and whatnot. So I don't know. We'll, it's, it's a case that we'll see. Uh, John, you have your hand up again. Yeah. I, I think you're looking too far ahead. Um, you know, when you're looking three games ahead in the league and talking about what kind of team we're going to play now compared to them. Um, I, I think we're going to put, uh, we, a different team out on Thursday. I would suspect maybe eight or nine changes from this from yesterday, and I still think we can beat them. Um, and a draw would not be horrible. But yeah. uh, I, but we I can't look the- we can't look beyond that game. I mean, maybe look at West Ham. West Ham's going to be a bit of a tough game on on uh, Sunday. But nonetheless, uh, if you look at this game by itself, even with eight changes, we should win this one. And uh, if we do. After that, the top two are pretty much set with uh, Tottenham and Wren. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Anybody have any other comments? Okay, I'm going to – okay, I guess this is going to be a very quick preview, but uh, let's do predictions. Um, I'll go first just because I'm going to say a 1-1 draw just like John said, a tie isn't the worst thing in the world. We still be in the thick of it, of course. Even when we lose, it's not the worst thing in the world. We are playing away, so a tie is – I would not be disappointed. Um, in terms of goal score, I'm going to say Lucas Moore because he's been playing a lot in the European games as well, but he's kind of replaced Son as the guy that can just keep going going like the Energizer Bunny. So let's see it happen. Um, Mike, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm thinking I, I, this is a tough one to call, to be honest. Um, you know, I really hope he does rest our entire starting 11. He didn't use a single sub in the last game, not a single sub in the last game. So I'm hoping that he just rests the entire starting 11. That's his plan. I'm hoping he does. And if he does, um, I do think we'll struggle. So I, I think it'll be um, a 2-1 loss um, with Steven Bergwijn on the, on the score sheet. Um, but I think I think we'll I think we'll lose. But I, I I don't want to, of course not. But um, 
you know, I think if you rest the entire starting eleven, we're gonna have we're gonna have issues. Fair enough. And I think the 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 is gonna take it very seriously. So. Yeah, they're. I was looking at their previous results. Like they were able to beat some heavy hitters. Like for example, they beat Feyenoord. I think four to one. Um, and they're the top three of the Eredivisie, which would be them, IX, and PSV Eindhoven. So that's no small feat, let's just say. Um, John, you want to go next? Yeah, I think even if we put a, uh, if we do eight or nine changes, we're going to win 2 1. I'm going to put Burwine and Winks down for two goals. Okay, sounds good. And Lucas, what do you got? I have a 1 uh, 1 draw as well. Unfortunately, I'm just, I, I've noticed the trend when we have these games and we have all the rotation, it seems to kind of stunt us and we seem to lack a lot of creativity and a lot of ideas. But um, yeah, 1 1 draw. I'm okay with it. I'm good if we can get the point out there, and I'll say Bergvine finally comes out with a goal. Sounds good, gentlemen. Okay, so we got the last match to review before the next episodes. We're playing West Ham away at, I don't even know what this, oh, London Stadium, previously Olympic Stadium. It got away with a murder with uh, barely paid like a million a year, but that's a whole other story. Um, they're playing on Sunday, October 24th at 8 o'clock in the morning, Chicago time, 2 p.m. UK time. Uh, it will be aired on NBC Sports in America. And if you're in the UK, it's going to be Sky Sports main event and Sky Sports Premier League. As of right now, they are currently in seventh place. Um, and they beat Everton yesterday. So, it, I don't know, I think we all can say that we hate West Ham just because they're our local rival. I don't actually hate West Ham at the club. I hate more of their fans because they hate us and we don't care enough about them. So it's kind of like that random enemy that you have that cares more about you than you do. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a lively match just in terms of fan banter and going back and forth with that. But they have you know, they're in Europe this year, so we expected them to dip a little bit. They were doing stronger earlier, but, um, again, it's West Ham. David Moyes, I still think, has done a pretty good job given – or I think he's exceeded expectations um, based off of what West Ham fans probably have wanted or have set. So, game's going to be tough, I think. Um, on paper, we should be able to win, but who knows? Uh, who wants to go first with their thoughts? Okay. Go ahead. Lucas, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, whenever you talk West Ham, you're talking about a team that this is their this is their cup final. Um, you know, it's like there's guys that West Ham fans are losers. They just are. There's no two ways about it. Um, you're talking about the guys that got tattoos on their chests about the times they beat us twice in the season. Like they're just, uh, I don't have time for them, but um, I would very much like to win this game just to wreck their cup final. Um, I think on paper, we are strong enough to go there and get the win. Um, it's just going to be, can we, can we see our back four tighten up a little bit and play with a little bit more mistakes? Cause or a little bit fewer mistakes. I mean, yesterday we were fortunate. I was very excited about how we played yesterday, but um, at the end of the day, it is Newcastle. So um, 
when we play teams with a little bit more quality like these West Ham players have, I mean, it's not going to be uh, it's not going to be the same level of guys that are going to be out there. They're definitely going to be compounding our mistakes if we're making them. So I would definitely like to see us shape up a little bit at the back. And if we can keep that kind of high press that we had yesterday going and play through with that speed through the middle, I think that it could be our day. But um, it's always kind of tough with these ones. Like it's like the Arsenal game too. For them somehow, it's just they usually turn up like this is – like Christmas day for them. So I, I don't know how, but they're always up for it. And I expect they will be on Sunday. John, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you, Luke. And also it depends which West Ham team turns up and which Tottenham team turns up. And it's very difficult to predict. I mean, West Ham have played some very good football this year and they've looked like shit too. Um, you could probably say the same about us. Um, I do think that we're on the way up and I think West Ham got a good win against Everton uh, over the weekend. So I, I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think a draw would be bad for us. I think it would be gaining a point and that West Ham would lost, uh, lost two points if there is a draw. Having said that, I really like the speed of our offense and the way that it's clicking right now with, uh, you know, Son and, and Kane got a goal I think we're you know the floodgates are going to open so having said that I think we're going to beat them and um, I'm going to say we're going to win 2-1 and just for a change Son and Kane which by the way has been my prediction in a lot of games so hence the <laughs> fact that I'm, go I'm going out on another limb there but there we are yeah and I'll be quick with that part um in terms of predictions like so we have a group chat, and I'm like, I usually tag everybody who hasn't been on the podcast. I'm like, need your predictions for tomorrow, and then that's a – so John saying 2-1 Sun King, that's pretty much the Rick 6-0. Uh, um, Lucas, get your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons, kind of going back to what we were talking about with our conference league game, one of the reasons I definitely want to see us have a, as many guys rested on Thursday as we can is because – that you had mentioned too that this West Ham team is now in Europa as well. Um, they're in actual Europa League and we're in that silly conference league. But I think them having a game, uh, their game on Thursday, they won't be afforded that option of us that, that we have to rotate a bunch of guys and try and get as many of our starters. I would like to see it if we could do every guy from yesterday. Cause like, again, there were no subs. So all the guys that played 90 minutes yesterday, I would love to see them all get a break this midweek so that they could be rested up for Sunday, whereas West Ham has uh, their Europa game on Thursday night, that they won't have that option to rest. They'll need to be starting their guys for that. Uh, so hopefully that's something that we can swing to our advantage. John? Yeah, um, just, to clear, just to make the point here, West Ham are at home on Thursday and we're away, although it's not a long journey, but uh, West Ham do not have to travel this week either. So that could have an impact. Uh, yeah, and that's, and that's why I would definitely rather have as many guys stay home. And if if, you, if we don't think we're going to need you for Thursday, like have maybe Harry just Harry stays home or something, or have some of these guys get some rest and yeah, or not bother even them even option. making the trip. Yeah, don't even have them making the trip. Yeah, I think Harry's going to have some minutes, but um, hopefully we'll put him on if we need him. Yeah, rather yeah. than starting. Lucky for us, it's in, the, you know, our away game is in the Netherlands, so it's not 
the farthest place. It could be. It could have been a lot worse. Um, but you know, I, I am worried about this West Ham team. I mean, they they beat a very good Everton team this weekend. Um, a very good Everton team that's been looking very very strong. So um, they're definitely going to be up for it, just like they were up for it recently. Even their um, Twitter account, the West Ham Twitter account, posted the um, the three three draw that they had at, at our stadium. Um, and they made it seem like a documentary. It was, like, so epic. Like, it was just ridiculously epic. Yeah, I know. It was, like, it was so weird. It was, like, like the backdrop. And it was, like, it sounded like a Champions League night. And I'm, like, this was and a regular what... Premier League game in the afternoon. Like, we have, uh, when we when we reminisce, we reminisce about Lucas scoring a hat-trick at, at Amsterdam, in, in Amsterdam against Ajax, you know? Um no, nothing like what they're referring to. Yeah, or like they're a, they're a weird group of people. I can't under I can't understress that. Yeah, like, not they even Kieran Knightley being a fan of them saves them. But like they're you know, a bunch three, of weirdos. The three three tie, like yes, very disappointing, and I was very irate and mad. But for me, like I have better memories when Paul Stalteri stored that late winner, when Garrett Bale had that long range screamer. Uh the other game when Harry Winks scored that goal to tie it up and then uh, Harry Kane converted a penalty for a win. I'm like... Dyer's first goal was a fun one, too. Oh, yeah. like those With are, Ten and, men. <laughs> and you know what the the common thread of that is? Those are all... We all won those games late. And that, that gives me great satisfaction that we beat West Ham like that, and I hope we continue, of course, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know, but like how you how we say or Luke said it echoed what I said earlier about West Ham. Though the other issue is, I think Mark Noble. I can't confirm, but I think Mark Noble's still out. But they're we're a lean squad. They're also very lean as well, just because they have to play in Europe. They don't have the money. Um, you know all all these players that they have. Yeah, they're they're a very solid and effective unit for what they are. But eventually they're going to burn out. So hopefully I should have caught on to who they played earlier or on Thursday. Let's see. Oh, they played Genk in, from Belgium. So hopefully David Moyes decides to play them or play some starters and, you know, we can kind of catch up, get lucky, and they're a little gassed on Sunday, but you never know. Um, they have a lot of players that you can easily underestimate too. You know, they're, uh, Pablo Fernandez. He's not like, you know, he's not making headlines, but he's a, he's actually a solid player. Jared Bowen is, believe it or not, a very 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 good player. Oh and yeah. And then Mikel Antonio, super underestimated, under underrated Mikel Antonio. Um, even though he's like twenty nine, but like he's a so good. He's a headache. It is, yeah. He, he's such a headache for for. For defenders, because he's always like, pressing. And we have issues with teams press us. And as yes, a Sweden Yarmolenko fan. As well. as a, yeah, with Yarmolenko, like, as a Sweden fan, like, he he made us look like shit in the Euros. So, I'm like, so that kind of hurts, but I'm like, so. And Yarmolenko come, I think he was at Dinamo Kiev. No, no, he was at, yeah, Dinamo Kiev. He had a good sword uh, length there. And I'm like, you know, he was hot property and West Ham signed him. So, I'm like. You know how we talked earlier on his on their day, they can definitely beat us, and 
how he said with Spurs, it's the biggest issue is what team, like I said, will the real Spurs stand up? Hopefully it's what we saw on Sunday. I know it's against Newcastle, but if we can play effectively or like against Acidville, like we play like it was against Acidville, I think we should be able to beat them, but who knows? Anybody have any final thoughts or, or is there more? We can yes. Uh, not to not to put too much pressure, but um, if if we win against West Ham, that'll be the first time any Premier League club has gone three wins, three losses, and then three wins again, which is insane to think about. We would have lost the first three. We won the first three games of the year. Of the year. We lost the next three games of the year, and then we'll, and if we win against West Ham, that'll be three on the. That seems again. like one of those. That seems like one of those ridiculous like stats that of course we would hold, you know, like when you just look at like a weird record where who holds that record? Like, of course it's probably Spurs. Yeah. Like just doesn't like, make I any sense. Yeah. When we lost, I think in the playoffs uh, against Paco State Ferreira, somebody puts out like, yeah, Spurs are the first team to lose three times in or lose a game in each of the competitions. And I'm just like, uh. but yeah, the- as, as my dear old dad would say, welcome to the statistically obsessed Americans. Yeah, I'm, like I couldn't help but laugh at that just because we've been in every UEFA competition, like whether it be Champions League, Europa League, aka UEFA Cup, Cup Winners Cup, and now Conference League. Oh, and Intertoto Cup as well. So we've been in all five competitions that have existed under UEFA. So, oh well, let's just, I'm just hope let's. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, because it is West Ham, of course. Um, okay, let's do predictions. John already went with his 2-1 with Son and Kane. Um, Mike, do you want to go? Yeah, um, I really want to win this game. I like so bad. And I think I think Luno will start the right lineup. And I think we'll have a good chance to win. And they play at, you know, in, in on Thursday. We play on Thursday too, but I think our squad is stronger. Slightly stronger. Um, and Kane is finding his feet, so that's a good chance. Um, you know, everything, I think there's a lot of things that are in my head I'm seeing draw. Like, that's what I'm seeing. But um, I'm going to say a 3-1 a, a win for, for, for Spurs. I'm going to say Kane again. Kane twice. I'm going to say Kane brace. He, he loves scoring against West Ham. And uh, uh, Sergio Reguilón, because that guy deserves he, He's going to score a goal at some point. Sounds good. Let me type that in. Okay, Lucas, who do you have? I have 3-1 as well, and I have our goals going to Kane, Son, and Lucas. Okay, the top three, or the power three, I guess. Kane, Son, Mora. Okay, so I'm taking the John route, um, 2-1, and I'm praying to God that we have a late winner because as I outlined outlined before with those four games, nothing makes me happier than just breaking a bunch of West Ham fans' heart by beating them with a late goal. Um, Instead of Son and Kane, though, I do have Kane. And I I would like to think that Ndombele does start having a good streak of games, so I'm giving him that second goal as well. So, um, okay, so as usual this will wrap things up so again thank you to myself for editing and sound um anthony is out 
um, because he's actually in New York visiting uh, Shannon's family. But of course, uh, he goes or his efforts are will not go unnoticed. He always does scheduling, production notes. He's the one that keep, he's the glue that keeps everything together. So Anthony, we do miss you. Um, and for the record, he will not be back on next Monday. Joe will be hosting again. Um, and as I noted, Catherine will be back on. Hopefully, she'll be with the Spurs women update. Um, more is uh, Charlie. Thank you again for the music. Kevin for social media. John for his loan update. Lucas for his Luke's locks. Kimberly for the logo, and of course the Atlantic Bar and Grill for having a place to watch the match. Um, we're doing this through Skype, but once Anthony's back, we're going to record another episode at the bar. It sounds like, um, based off of what Anthony said, we're probably going to record at the bar once a month and see how that goes. Um, as usual, find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Uh, find us anywhere you find or whatever app you use for your podcast. We are now on Spotify and Stitcher, so if you use that podcast addict, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes, etc. We're on there as well. Um, give us a hit the subscribe button to write us a review if you like us or don't like us. Um, and also check us out on Twitter and on Facebook at Four Star Spurs. And remember to visit our website at fourstarspurs.com. There's a bunch of bios, um, random articles. We haven't updated that yet, but or in a while, but hopefully we'll get something going soon. Of course, we always have a backlog of our episodes since the first one. And as usual, come on, Spurs.